couple of years ago, I came across a documentary called The Dropbox. Has anyone seen it? <laughs> Was it you? <laughs> you? You've seen it? Okay, it's good. But it's a documentary about a, a South Korean pastor who, uh, whose work has been saving the lives of hundreds of unwanted babies. Now, what makes this pastor famous is that he built a, uh, a heated blanket-lined box um, as a way for parents to drop off their, their unwanted babies. Uh, because if the babies aren't dropped off, they, they would be abandoned in the streets to die. He says that uh, after witnessing the problem of child abandonment in Seoul, Ali, who is the pastor, he decided to do all that he could to rescue and care for these babies. You know, just as he cared for his own disabled son. So from about 2009 to about 2015, um, he has saved more than 652 babies. That's 652 lives. And this is what Pastor Lee says. Some people would often abandon their kids in front of our doorway if they can't afford to raise the baby. They leave the baby in front of someone else's house and run away. It's common practice. We see many babies abandoned under any condition. We were so heartbroken seeing them, and we thought to ourselves, what's the best way to save these lives? We thought about this for many years. That's why we made the baby box. It's quite amazing to see uh, this pastor rescue the vulnerable and the weak. And his compassion for the ones that society seems unlovable uh, is, that, is what drives his love for the babies. And just like how this pastor has compassion and rescues these babies, we're going to see today in Jonah 3, uh, God's compassion in rescuing the people of Nineveh, that ultimately God is our rescuer. So if you've got your Bibles open, open them up to Jonah chapter 3. If you don't have them, uh, they're going to be on the screen at the back. So let's read uh, Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and, he, and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Amen. Well, we're right in the middle of our Jonah series. We've seen in the last two weeks how this small four-chapter, 48-verse book in the Old Testament is full of God's grace and mercy. In chapter 1, we saw God send Jonah, Jonah disobeying, the sailors crying out to God, and God saving the sailors. Last week, we saw, Jonah, we saw God send a fish, Jonah crying out to God, and God saving Jonah. 
You know, we saw how Jonah's prayer to God was a, was a psalm of thanksgiving, that he knew God's will so well that in his deepest time, he could recall it to mind. And in God's mercy and grace, God saves Jonah. He commands the fish to vomit Jonah onto dry land. And so today we're at chapter 3, and we see God send Jonah to Nineveh again. Jonah preach a mini-sermon, and then the people of Nineveh respond. They respond in repentance. And we're going to see a couple of things unfold today, but it's all going to land at this one point. And that point is God is a rescuer. So as we delve into chapter 3, you're going to see, number one, the message from God to Jonah and Jonah to the Ninevites. Number two, the response of the people. And number three, the, re- the result or the outcome. The first little section of this chapter shows us the message, right, from God to Jonah and then Jonah to the Ninevites. Verse 1, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. I love that little first bit. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Does God give us second chances? Yes, he does. The truth is that, you know, we're all coming from different backgrounds, different walks of life. We're all holding on to different regrets and mistakes You know, I don't know what you've done in your life. And I don't know the deepest addictions and struggles of everyone in this room. But I know we've all done things that we're not proud of. And I know that God is the God of second chances. I don't know about you guys, but um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Brian Hedwelch. He was the lead guitarist for the band Korn. Uh, The music was really aggressive. Heaps of angry lyrics and drug use. And like a lot of the rock bands in the 90s, he got to a point where he said he was hooked on meth and using it every single day, even though he he knew it was destroying his life and putting his daughter in dangerous situations. And he said one day he was driving and listening to a Nine Inch Nails song about God and money. And I'm not sure if you guys know the song, but the lyrics of the bridge go like this. Bow down before the one you serve. You're going to get what you deserve. And Brian, he said, listening to that song, he realized that he was chasing after money. And it was leading to a place of self-destruction. And he began to cry out to God. And out of all the people, his real estate agent came to him and said, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? His real estate agent invited the lead guitarist of Corn to Church. Listen to what Brian Welch says. He says, I was a complete empty shell, nothing inside. I had everything, drugs, girls, money, but it was just empty, so empty. But as soon as I went to church, I felt the love for Jesus, and I was done with everything in the world because I was satisfied with God inside. How amazing is that? Just like how God rescued Brian Welch and gave him a second chance. God loves to redeem. He loves to restore. You know, he could have left Jonah alone and let him go to Tarshish. But God loves to restore and he loves to rescue. You are never too far gone from the grace of God. Sin will always lead us down a slippery path. And 10 out of 10 times, we'll find that our time, our money, our effort, 
It could have been spared if we just listened the first time. But the amazing thing about our God is that God will use our messed up lives. The greatest mistakes, the deepest sins we've committed in our lives, God can use because God is a redeemer. And I know right now, you know, there are some of us coming out of a deep place of pain and hurt. But you just have to know that if God can use Jonah's disobedience and the lead guitarist of Korn, you know, who was addicted to meth and cocaine, then God can use your pain and your past and completely turn it around. God can do the impossible. Our job in all this is to repent, turn from our ways, and let God transform our misery and wasted time. Verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Now, what do we know about Nineveh? We know that Nineveh was a very large city with about 100,000 people within its jurisdiction. We know that the Ninevites were famous for their brutality and their wickedness. They were known for decapitating people, for burning, for burning women and children alive. They celebrated prostitution, sorcery, witchcraft. Yes, they were wicked and evil people. Yes, they had massive problems. Yes, they were immoral. But God cared deeply for them. In some translations of the Bible say Nineveh was a very important city as opposed to a large city. But a literal translation of verse 3, right, would say Nineveh was a great city important unto God. What's interesting is that the author seems to be showing us that Nineveh, as well as other cities, is important to God. Why? Because God loves people. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God's heart for people is undeniably clear throughout the Bible. So much so that that John 3.16 explains that he gave his one and only son for us. And so just as God cares deeply for you and I, God cares deeply for the, for the Ninevites. And that's why God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh, to share the love of God. Verse 4, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So Jonah enters the city and he begins to preach. But he preaches a five-word sermon in Hebrew. He preaches five Hebrew words. Think about it. Do you think Jonah wanted to be there? You know, Jonah hasn't told God that he's sorry. He hasn't repented from the the obedience of sin. Yes, he is grateful for to God, and uh, yes, he is grateful to God that God spared his life. But he hasn't repented. Then, then, then it must mean that Jonah still wants to flee to Tarshish, that he doesn't want to be there in Nineveh. If we look at chapter 2 again, there's no evidence of repentance there. Yes, it's a great psalm of thanksgiving, but there's nothing about repentance. You know, I think Jonah is doing the bare minimum there. He says, he says his thing and he's ready to leave. That's a half-hearted prophet. 
That's a half-hearted preacher preaching a five-word sermon. And how do we know that? If we look at Jonah 4, chapter 1, it says, But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. This was God saving the Ninevites. And he became very angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Do you see what's going on in Jonah's heart? Jonah is saying, God, these people, they don't deserve your grace and mercy. I don't care about these people. I don't care about the lives of these people. Jonah has no heart for these people. And he actually wants destruction for the city. He knows that God doesn't want any of these people uh, to perish, but he can't bring himself to accept the fact that God wants to save his enemies. But what we see uh, in the message that is actually pretty weighty, Jonah's message is weighty. 40 days, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Hebrew word that Jonah uses for overthrown is hapak. And it's like a two-sided coin. It has two meanings. Another way to translate overthrown is overturned. If something is overthrown, it's destroyed or annihilated. But if something is overturned, then that means it has been transformed. It has been changed. In Psalm 66, the psalmist says that God transformed, overturned the sea into dry land. In Jeremiah 31, and sadness turned into joy. In Deuteronomy 23, God turned Balaam's curse into a blessing. You know, these things weren't annihilated. They were overturned. And so Jonah goes into the city and he preaches. But in his mind, he's thinking, great, I get to preach destruction, annihilation. And in his mind, he's thinking Genesis 19. What's Genesis 19? Sodom and Gomorrah. God overthrows, destroys, annihilates these two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, because of their wickedness. So Jonah's preaching destruction, annihilation, because he wanted nothing to do with the Ninevites. He wanted them to die. But what God is saying is, I don't want to overthrow it. I want to overturn it because I am a God of mercy and grace. I'm a God of compassion. The irony is that Jonah, who had been rescued by God after running away, he couldn't give a rip about the lives of other sinners. Jonah is the one who needs to change. He needs to be overthrown. He he needs his heart overturned. Yes, he's obedient to God. Yes, he obeyed God and went to Nineveh. And yes, he preached a powerful message. But his heart was far from loving people. Number two, the response. Verse five. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. It wasn't Jonah's words or his oratory uh, that changed Nineveh. It was the power of God. Jonah was the vessel that God used God can use anyone and anything to bring about his plans and his purposes because God's word is alive and powerful. Now, if you're thinking, how on earth did they believe God after just five words? It doesn't make sense. There's got to be some sort of error with that. The thing that we have to keep in mind is that uh, 
that there were two plagues that hit Nineveh a couple of years before. And there was a total eclipse of the sun, which, which the people would have understood as a sign of divine anger. The Ninevites also worshipped a fish god called Dagon. And so when the fish vomited Jonah onto land, they would have been absolutely freaked out. So why were they so receptive to the message? It's because God had been sending storms and waves into their lives. The plague, the sun blackening, the storms and waves from God are designed to push us closer to God. And so the Ninevites, after experiencing these storms and waves, they say, I think we're not right with God. And Jonah rocks up and says, you're not right with God. And they're like, yeah, I think so. You have no idea what God is doing in your family member's life. You have no idea what God is doing in your co-worker's life. There's an Australian couple who, uh, who have been living in Bondi for about 50 years. And their home is on top of a cliff, um, near a rocky cliff known as the Gap. Uh, the Gap is the most notorious suicide destination in Australia. Every morning they wake up and look out the window. And they see if anyone's standing close to the edge. If the couple, if they sense someone maybe contemplating suicide, um, he approaches, the, the husband approaches them and asks if they would like to talk and have a cup of tea. And the husband says, I'm offering them an alternative. The couple over 50 years at Bondi, they have saved an estimated 160 people from taking the leap. You just don't know what people are going through. Just like how God used this couple to save 160 people. And just like how God used Jonah's five words to save an entire city. You have no idea what God can do with your five words. So I want to challenge you. Your five words can be life-changing to someone. It can be what God uses to rescue them. The irony is that the prophet of God needed a fish and a storm to follow God. The Ninevites needed five words and they repent. It's meant to show us that you know, sometimes who we think are the first, furthest away from God are the ones most open to his word. The people of Nineveh, they hear the message of God, they acknowledge their weakness and they turn from it. We know that their response, their repentance was genuine because their confession was followed by action. Within a day or two, without any social media, without mobile phones, no TV, about 100,000 people heard the word of God and they repented. It's like when something goes viral. Does anyone know what the, the most uh, viewed YouTube video is? Anyone want to take a guess? Chris, oh, absolutely. It is. It's, it's Baby Shark, um, which was released about six years ago. And that's got 11.68 billion views. So the message of God in Nineveh spread like Baby Shark. It just went crazy. Um, so Jonah preaches five-word sermon. Word of God goes viral. It goes around like a forest fire in Nineveh. And when they hear the message of God, they repent. That's a miracle. Jonah in the, belly of the in belly of the fish, that is a miracle. But the greatest miracle to occur in Jonah is verse 5. The, the Ninevites believed in God. 
So as we see in verses 7 and 9, the king issues a decree, and he calls everyone in the city, from the greatest to the least, to repent, to turn from their evil. He makes a public call for repentance. And, and when you read that, you should sense some urgency in that decree. The king is urgently calling for the people to repent. And we're shown here another example of the pagan, the non-Christian, doing what is right versus the prophet who got it completely wrong. You know, there is urgency in Jonah to run away from God. And there is urgency in the king to repent. You know, the question for us is, are you Jonah or the king? Number three, the result. Verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So we see the Ninevites repent. And this is how God responds. He has compassion on them, and he doesn't bring destruction. But God rescues them. God responded to the people's repentance with compassion. God responds to genuine repentance. He responds to broken hearts. I wonder how many of our friends and families are ready to respond to the compassion of God. This is the God that we serve. He loves people. And because he loves people, his heart is that none of them would would perish. So I want to challenge you with two things today. The first thing is this. Don't delay your repentance. The king of Nineveh repented, and there was an urgency to his action. The king, after hearing the message, he immediately removed his royal clothes and covered himself in sackcloth as a sign of surrender and humility. Do you need to do the same today? What is it that you need to repent of today? What's the thing in your heart that, that's making you feel ashamed and guilty? You know, we all have things in our lives that, that we need to surrender to God and lay at His feet. You know, even as we sit here, I know that God is doing His thing and is convicting some of us of a specific sin. Maybe no one knows about it. Maybe you've been hiding it all your life. And it's grown into this full-blown addiction. Maybe like Jonah, you need to repent of a calloused heart toward God. Whatever it is, remember that sin is a wasteful endeavor. It will always leave us wanting more. Never satisfied and never fulfilled. Some of us is going to feel like God is singling you out in this moment. And He is. But it's not condemnation. It's conviction. There's a difference there. He's gently nudging you to come back, to turn around. So for all of us right now, we've got a choice. Like the Ninevites, maybe God has been sending storms in your life to point you back to Jesus. Like the Ninevites, we can choose to confess and repent and turn around from our old ways. Or like Jonah, we can continue down the path we're going on. The choice, the choice is yours. The second thing is this. Extend grace. Extend the grace of God. Who do we need to extend the grace of God to? Everyone. How do we extend the grace of God? We follow what God did in verse 10. We show compassion. We extend the grace of God 
to people, not because they deserve it, but because we have been recipients of God's mercy and grace. I know many of us are carrying deep wounds from our past, and forgiveness is not even an option. And I'm not belittling the hurt or, or the pain you've gone through. You know, maybe your prayer needs to be, God, help me to see how much you've forgiven me so that I can extend grace to people. The greatest extension of grace to people is sharing the love of God. Sharing with others what God has done for us. You know, I remember when I was in first year uni, um, I had to take a bus from Central all the way to DY. And if anyone's sat in the L90, it's, it's like a good hour, I think, an hour and a bit. But there was this one time in peak hour traffic, uh, the bus was packed and this random guy just starts chatting with me. And somehow we get to the topic of God and religion. And so he asked me what I believed. And, and at that moment, I've got, two, I've got two choices. I can be like Jonah and give a half-hearted response. Or I can extend the grace of God uh, to this person and share who God is and what God has done in my life. And so for the whole trip, I get to share the gospel with this random person on a packed out bus. You know, it's not our responsibility to make the person believe. We just need to be obedient to, to sowing the seeds. And we sow the seeds by sharing the gospel, who God is and what he has done. So for you this week, as you do life with your colleagues at work, at school, with your families at home, who can you extend the grace of God to? Who can you share the gospel with this week? Pray for opportunities to share the love of God because I promise you God will provide opportunities. We just need to be obedient to that. We're not the ones that make it grow. We just need to sow the seeds. God will do the rest. We who have, been received, we have, we who have received grace are called to seek the unlovely and the unworthy because that is who we once were. The Bible says in Romans 8.5, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus became one of us in order to rescue and redeem us and to restore our broken lives. And he brings salvation and hope and grace and mercy to all who come to him humbly and by faith. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then maybe today is your moment. Maybe now is your moment. Maybe that uneasy feeling in your soul is God nudging you to come back home, to turn around, to repent. Whoever you are and whatever you've done, God will meet you where you're at, in the middle of your mess. This God who rescues and gives us second chances, you know, he sends Jonah, a half-hearted preacher, a half-hearted prophet to Nineveh. And we see the people of Nineveh cry out to God, and God has compassion on them, and he rescues them. The question for us today is, are you like Jonah, the half-hearted prophet, or are you like the Ninevites who respond to God in repentance? Let's close our eyes in prayer.